I think half the people are back there. So that gives me time to tell you about a story that I heard. But, no, I think this one is true. I'm not positive, but, but I heard a story about something that happened in heaven that on the same day, a pastor and a taxi driver died. They both went to heaven and met Jesus. And they said, well, where do we live now that we're in heaven? So Jesus brought the taxi driver to this big, giant mansion right next door to his throne. And the taxi driver was so happy. Then the pastor said, well, where am I going to live? And Jesus brought the pastor to this little house all the way to the end of the block. Well, the pastor got upset. He said, he was, he was just a taxi driver, and you gave him a big mansion next to the throne, and I was a pastor, and I preached, and you put me in a little house all the way down the block. Well, Jesus said, well, it makes perfect sense. The pastor said, how? Jesus said, you were a pastor, and when you preached, people slept. But he was a taxi driver, and when he drove, people prayed. I think that was a true story, but Pastor Bert back there, he's going to check it out for me. He got friends in high places, right? Okay, well, I'm going to be continuing in Pastor George's series, now following God's people through the New Testament. Remember earlier, we followed God's people, Israel, through the Old Testament? Well, now we're in the New Testament following God's people. So on Good Friday, you heard about the death of Jesus. And on Easter, you learned about the resurrection of Jesus. Well, I want to talk today about what happened to the people of God after Jesus rose from the dead and was about to ascend into heaven. And we call that the ascension. That's a fancy word. That means after Jesus rose from the dead, he spent time with the disciples And then he went on the Mount of Olives and he ascended or he rose into heaven. And and the angel said, the same Jesus that you saw leave and go to heaven where he is right now. Right now, Jesus lives in heaven at the right hand of the Father. And the angel told the disciples, but one day he'll be back. And he'll return to the earth and he'll rule and reign. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But in the meantime, I'm going to, Jesus went to his disciples in Matthew 28, 18. And this is what we call the Great Commission. This is some of Jesus' final words before he went up to heaven. A few weeks ago, Pastor George and Michelle, they spoke from the beginning of the book of Matthew. I'm going to the last verses of the book of Matthew. 
It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So first of all, who are these disciples that Jesus entrusted? These would be the first ones to carry the message of the gospel, the message of salvation, the message of his love, even to the ends of the earth. These were the band of people that Jesus spoke to, and he anointed them. And he said, you go to the world, you teach everything I taught. You go and make disciples. And that's what I want to speak about. Who, who were these guys, these disciples? At that time in, the hist- in history, these were the people of God. Were they extraordinary, angelic-like beings with halos? People without faults, like you see in many of the pictures. And that's a cue to show the picture. Is this what the disciples were like? Were they these otherworldly people, always looking into heaven with halos over their head? Sometimes the church can make them seem like they're somehow not even human, that somehow they're above us. Yes, they did some they did some great works in Jesus' name. They healed the sick and they shared the love of Jesus. But at the other at the other hand, there were times when they had some major falls, and I'm gonna list some of their epic fails. Number one, as Jesus was sharing the bread and the wine at the Last Supper. The scripture tells us that the disciples began to fight with each other over who was the greatest. In other words, when Jesus was sitting and telling the disciples, I'm about to die. This wine is symbolic of the blood I'm going to shed. And and this bread, it's symbolic of my body's going to be ripped apart and broken. And what were the disciples doing? You think they're all excited that they were sad? No, they were fighting with each other. You think you're better than me? No, you're not better than me. And they went on fighting back and forth to determine who was the greatest. Number two, the second epic fail of the disciples. When Jesus asked them to sit and pray with them and watch with them in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before he was to die on the cross, Jesus sat in agony, sweating drops of blood. And when he looked around, all the disciples were sleeping. Number three. At the cross, every one of the disciples deserted Jesus and ran. Just think of how Jesus felt when he was arrested. And Matthew records one of the saddest verses in the entire Bible. 
They all forsook him and fled. All these guys with the halos on their heads, the ones we called the, the saintly men, when, when it came crunch time, and that Jesus was arrested, and now it was going to cost them something. Not one of them would face their fear, but every one of them turned around and they deserted Jesus in his time of need. Number four, when he rose from the dead, Jesus told the disciples, go and wait in Jerusalem. Instead, they went back to the Sea of Galilee and returned to their fishing business. Number five, Peter, that many church, much of the church considers the greatest of all the disciples, denied Jesus with oaths and curses in the public arena after bragging that even if everyone else denies Jesus, he never would. Number six, the disciples were walking through Samaria. And two of the disciples, James and John, they encountered people who didn't like them. And they decided to ask Jesus, we want to show the love of God. Let's, let, let's call fire down from heaven and burn these people up. That, that was their response when they went around preaching the gospel. As soon as they ran into haters, they said, Let, let's just kill these people and get rid of them. And Jesus had to rebuke them and say, you don't even know what spirit you're of. Number seven, Thomas doubted Jesus' claim that he rose from the dead. Jesus appeared to the disciples and said, it's me, I'm back. And, and in essence, Thomas told God, oh yeah, if you're not lying, then prove it. These were the people that Jesus gathered together to give the greatest assignment in the history of the earth, to go out to the world, go out to the nations, make disciples, preach the gospel, heal the sick, reveal my love to them. You see, you would have thought that God would have limited himself to using the elite and the superstars and the scholars and the powerful businessmen and the political leaders of the day. Instead, in Acts 4.13, it says that these disciples, they were just ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. Never went, none of them ever went to Bible college. So I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. It gives us a glimpse of who the early Christians were. If we're going to follow the people of God, we need to know who they are. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 in the Message Bible, it says, Take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest and the best among you. Not many influential, not many from high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses? Chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies. 
That makes it quite clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God. Everything that we have, right thinking and right living, a clean slate and a fresh start comes from God by way of Jesus Christ. It tells us that these were just ordinary nobodies, flawed men and women. When, when you think in the Old Testament, you think of these great kings. You think of these mighty prophets that rose up every now and then. They, these were the best and the brightest in Israel. Now we have plain old ordinary nobodies that Jesus was walking down the street. He called fishermen and tax collectors. Just plain old people. And it tells us the reason that he chose a bunch of flawed people is so that he would get all the glory and all the praise. See, when he, if he would have chosen the brilliant scholars and, and the mighty men and, men and women, then everybody would give them the glory. Oh, those are the great people among us. But when God could take somebody like me, somebody who is totally messed up and broken, and people see the difference today, all they could do is say, I got to give glory to God if that guy can become anything at all. Now, here they were now in Matthew 28, these disciples all gathered around Jesus, standing before him. The one they failed, the one they abandoned, the one they made promises to and broke. Again, Peter was one of them. At Jesus' greatest point of need, Peter not only abandoned him, but denied even knowing him and cursed at the lady who insisted he did. Most people would have written these disciples off as cowards and losers. But Jesus is not most people. Because it wasn't about the failure of the disciples. It's about the faithfulness of God. You see, Jesus is faithful to his word. He will do what he said he will do in your life. Philippians 1.6 says, be confident in this, that he who began a work, good work in you is faithful to complete it. You can run the other way. You, you can mess up. But God is faithful to his promise. Through it all, through all the disciples' mess and all their failures, the promise of God in their life still stood. And it's the same thing for every one of you. His promise still stands. He who began a good work in you. Maybe he started working and you took off the other direction. You let your heart grow cold. But he's faithful. He's after you. His hard hand is with you, drawing you. I don't care what club you were in last night. I don't care how wasted you got. The hand of God followed you right right into that joint last night. 
He was with you as you were on the computer last night, in the middle of the night, looking at stuff you shouldn't be looking at. And he's still calling you back because he's a faithful God. You see, the disciples who once preached the gospel, healed the sick, and cast out demons became a broken, disillusioned, and fearful bunch. Yet Jesus refused to give up on them. Jesus challenged them to put the failures and the sins and the regrets behind them and remember the purpose and destiny he saw when he first called them out to follow him. You see, and I want to issue every one of you today the same challenge. Oh, boy. Forget that warning. That must look funny to the people watching online, right? That all of a sudden things. I want to issue you the same challenge today that Jesus issued to the disciples. You fell, you had epic fails. Some of us messed up big time. Some of us have horrible regrets. And Jesus challenged them, leave it behind. It's time to rise up. The promise still stands. I haven't, God still has that assignment for you for your life. He still has that calling. You have not eradicated your destiny no matter how far you have fallen. But Jesus told them, get up. Get up and go. It's not time to wallow around in your sin and failure. It wasn't enough for the disciples just to feel bad and say, oh, I'm sorry, I messed up, and keep on doing the same things, living the same life over and over again. Jesus challenged them, you make a decision. You follow me, and you're going to be world changers. You're going to turn this world upside down. After Jesus rose from the grave, the angel instructed Mary. He told Mary, go tell the disciples and Peter to go. Jesus is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. See, do you see the grace of God? Peter was the biggest failure out of all the disciples. But the angel told Mary... Go tell the disciples and Peter. The bigger your mess, the bigger your failure, the more God is calling you by name. He's desperate for you. He's not content to let you live below the standard of the greatness that he has for you, the beauty that he wants you to live in, the prosperity, the blessing. You see, with God, every day is a fresh start, an opportunity for a new beginning. The scripture says, his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Wherever you find yourself this morning, it's a new day. It's a new opportunity for you. You don't sit before God and justify the the things that you did. 
We, we, don't, we don't stand before him and make excuses, but the scripture says we confess our sins, and he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. The very hand of heaven comes down and makes you clean, washes you, restores you back even better than what you were before. You cannot, you never fall so low that grace can't reach and restore you. Jesus spent three years personally, one-on-one, training 12 disciples, and each one of them ended up falling flat on their faces in disgrace. Yet other than Judas, who had a different spirit, every one of them was fully restored and put back on track. Every one of those other disciples fulfilled their destinies. They changed nations. We're here today because of them, because of this band of mess-ups. That's why we're sitting, because these few people that totally failed, they responded to the grace of God. God called them out of the mud, out of the mess, out of the place of rebellion, and he washed them. And he gave them a new purpose, and that's available for every one of us today. You see, the God who created us can also recreate us into his image. Every day we're being remade. We're becoming more and more like him. You see, in Pastor George's series, Following God, people through the Old Testament that I mentioned before, most of you are here through it. Every time the people of Israel turned to God and began to serve him and worship him, it would not be long before they walked away again, went back to their mess, went back to their idolatry. For the most part, the history of Israel was a major failure. Every time they turned back to God, a new king would come and they'd all turn away. But now as we follow God's people through the New Testament, we see the power of the cross. When Jesus died and shed his blood, it tells us in Romans 6.6, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Romans 6.14, sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. These are a different breed. These ain't the people that we're talking about through the Old Testament who were up and they were down. They'd turn to God and be lost forever. Whole nation wiped out because of their mess. Totally defeated by the enemy. But because of the cross of Jesus Christ, the power of sin is broken. And all of a sudden, in this point in their history, even in their failure, even even on their worst days, 
the power of God, the very grace of God came upon them and, and rose them up. And we, they, you, they gave them power to say no to sin. I'm not going to waste my life. I'm going after God. I'm going to fulfill everything that God has called me to, everything he spoke over me. See, we, we're not like the people Israel that we heard about before. We're not going around the mountain over and over again. We're not going through those same cycles because we got the grace of God. We got the power in us to keep going, to break through. The scripture says we are a new creation unseen before in the history of the world. You're not just some ordinary person. You got the power of God living in you. You you are supernatural, extraordinary. And nothing in this world could keep you back if you make a choice to follow God. I want to read a quote from C.S. Lewis. God became a man to turn creatures into sons not simply to produce better men of the old kind, but to produce a new kind of man. And that's what we're going to be following in the New Testament, a new kind of man, a new kind of woman. You see, you might still fall or lose your way, but like the disciples, you have the grace and authority to get back up again. The scripture says a righteous man can fall seven times, but not not be content to stay down there in the mud. You get up, you brush yourself off, and you return back to God. Well, we have a real-life testimony right now of someone who did just that. So I'm going to ask Justin to come. He gave his longer testimony at the men's conference, so I just asked him to come and give the brief condensed version. All right. Um, So, I mean, the longer version was probably just as condensed as the condensed version. So it's not going (laughs) to... It's going to take about the same amount of time, maybe. Um... But uh, grown up in church, most, well, I can't say most of my life if I said I'd grown up in church, right? Grew up in church, um, born and raised with a Christian home. Um, but I still had my battles of my own. Uh, when I was 14 years old, I had my first drink, and from there just kept going. I spent 10 years as an alcoholic, and I didn't want to admit to it, you know, who, do, who wants to. Um, so I kept battling myself with that struggle every single day where it was like, could I have a drink here, a drink there, a drink here, a drink there. And then on weekends, it's like I have about 30 drinks here, um, you know, but it was always something where I had to at first it was just, you know, for me to hang out with my boys and to, to be cool with them. And then it became something where it was an escape. Um, that alone was the toughest part of my life. Um, because not only did it hurt me, but it hurt those around me. And seeing the pain that I put everybody through is was a lot, um, a lot on me, a lot like it put me down more than anything because I don't want to hurt those that love me. 
um, it was, uh, you know, it's not like something where I just decided I'm, you know, going to, like, I wasn't, I can't even say I lived a bad life, <laughs> you know, because everything was good. I had a family that loved me. I had my my parents live. My parents are married forever. Um, <laughs> you know, I had I had a great family that was always together and always showed me love. But for some reason, I found myself a reason to 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 um, to drink. Whether it was a work week, um, an argument. Or just because I could afford it. <laughs> um, but the point is, I didn't let that stick with me. Um, at one point, I was, I was, uh, I went, in, I went to AA for about a month. And while I was sitting there in one of the class, my last class listening, everybody was forced to speak at this class and I hated talking about my problems. So I was trying not to, but, Everybody was forced to speak. So they're going around, they're going around. They finally get to me. And all I could think was like, <clears throat> all I could think was my problems are not that bad. Like I'm just making an issue here. There is nothing wrong, you know. Um, from then on, I went and I sobered for five months and I slipped up. And I mean, I'm still, it's it's a battle, you know. There's there's times where I want, I would love to go out and get some drinks, but I know I can't anymore because that's not my life now. You know, um, I've been told that I'm going to be a leader amongst the church. And I'm just like, how am I supposed to be a leader amongst the church if I continue to do this? So certain things have to change. You know, you can't stay the same. It's like what Pastor Gary was saying with the disciples. Matthew can't be a tax collector no more and walk with Jesus. You know what I'm saying? You got to choose. What do you want to do? You're going to you're going to steal or you're going to, you're going to be with God, you know? So I've decided, I decided recently to start taking my walk seriously. And since then I've started to see my changes. I started to see my growth and I've noticed, I, I can tell people are seeing it too. And that alone helps me because those people come up to me and say, you're doing a good job. You know, uh, one day I got a text message from my mom that was like, I'm proud of you. And that just broke me because I know if anything, I hurt them more than anybody else with what I did. Um, so that alone just, like, built me up to the max, you know. Um, I decided to come to the men's group. I started helping out with the men's. I'm in the men's committee. I put together the men's conference. I'm putting together the retreat. You know, it's like... <laughs> um, it's a huge, a huge blessing and difference from where I was before, you know, and now I have somebody that, a little me looking up to me, you know, I got a little boy and I got another little boy on the way and I got my wife and, you know, it's, I can't, I can't let them down. Like I can't go back to the life I lived. It's time for me to grow up. It's time for me to be a man. It's time for me to walk the walk, you know, so um, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of the things I, I used to do, I, I, I started cutting off, you know, and little by little, I'm starting to see, like, I, I no longer want a bottle. I no longer want a beer, you know, like I can, I'm good with a soda, but I can't drink soda no more. I'm good with a water, <laughs> you know, so it's a, it's, it's a, it's a huge difference 
than where I was at before just because I decided to stop playing church and start doing church. Um, and that, that's what, that's what changes people. Um, but I mean, that's, that's pretty much the condensed of the condensed version. So I, it could, it could have been, you know, a lot, let's just say the light, it could have went a lot worse and I'm glad it, I'm glad it changed. So thank you. Amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. You see, maybe some of you, like Peter, you boasted that you would never be unfaithful to God. You'd keep on walking with him, and somehow your heart drifted away, or you failed miserably. Or maybe there are some here, like the prodigal son. The prodigal son wasted his life and his inheritance on sinful living. He left his home. He left his father that loved him, and he was ashamed to go back again. But when he decided to return home, the father was there with open arms and ran to him. And that's a picture of God the Father. He's been calling you. He's waiting for you, just like Jesus did with the disciples. He saw the mess. He saw they were flat on their face. And he said, I still love you. Get up. Get up. I'm calling you today. Get up. You're not stuck. You're not stuck in that mess. It's time to come home to Jesus. Maybe, maybe you got into a relationship where you compromised your faith and values just to be with somebody. This isn't about coming to church. This is about God calling you because he's faithful. He made you promises in his word, and he intends to keep those promises. So I'm going to ask right now. I I believe there's some here like Justin who fell into a different way of living but is willing to stand up today and say, I'm come, Jesus, I'm coming home. It it doesn't have to be that you fell into a major sin. Maybe you stopped praying like you used to. Maybe you used to love to come and worship God. And now Sunday morning comes, oh, I got to get up again. This is my only day to sleep. Where at one time, you couldn't wait to come into the house of God. I I, I just see the hand of God coming down and bringing cleansing. So I'm going to ask everyone to stand right now. If you're saying today, Lord, I'm coming to you. I'm not content to stay where I am. Lord, I'm coming home. I need you, Jesus. 
And it's at the moment that you repent, the moment you call upon the Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit's going to come and wash away every failure, every mess. So Lee is going to come and lead you in a prayer. But if that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'd love to see a young person up here not ashamed to testify. You want to beat the devil? You do it by the word of your testimony. Who, Who would pray with me today? Lord, I'm coming home. I'm coming back to you, God. I repent of my sins, God. Make me new. Wash me. Cleanse me. God wants to light the fire again in some of you. That fire has gone out. All of a sudden, you lost the desire to worship and read his word. God wants to restore that back today. So I'm going to ask Lee right now just to lead you in a prayer. Job 22, if you return to the Almighty, you will be restored. Second Chronicles 15, but in their distress, they turned to the Lord God of Israel and they sought him and he let them find him. Jeremiah 322, return, O faithless sons, I will heal your unfaithlessness, your faithlessness. Jeremiah 15, if you return, then I will restore you, but before me you will stand. Isaiah 44, I have wiped out your transgressions like a thick cloud and your sins like a heavy mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. And 1 Peter 2.25, for you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your soul. Who's coming back to the guardian of their soul this morning? Who's coming back to the protective covering of the Holy Spirit? Why don't we close our eyes and bow our heads? Lord, thank you for your sheep. Like sheep, Lord, we go astray. But in your faithfulness, you draw us back with loving kindness. We are truly your beloved. There's no depth too far that you would not reach down to grab us from. When we feel like we are drowning and without you, you reach out your hand to grab us, to keep us from falling. You started a good work in us and you will continue it until you return. You are merciful and your kindness knows no end. Your generous love knows no bounds. Your banner over us is love and you fight off every enemy that tries to capture us into its presence. But I believe this morning, Lord, that in this house, chains are breaking and prison doors are opening and the hearts of your beloved are being set free. I believe in Jesus' name that complacency will be no more. That the trap of comfort and complacency will no longer find its rest among your people this morning, God. 
So, Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name to the one that's crying out to you, Jesus, to the one who is tired of not living under the guardianship of your love. Let everything within them just come back to you because you are merciful. If that's you this morning, why don't you pray this out? Why don't we all pray this out as a congregation? Lord, like sheep, I have gone astray. But today, I trust that you are a loving father. I trust and believe that your arms are open wide for me. And I want to come back into my right place with you. I lay down that sin that gets the very best of me. I lay down that sin that I place before you and I repent. And I wanna be back in my right standing with you. So I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy that never ends. And I trust that this good work you began, you will continue until the day you return for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So just as we close in worship, just, just receive that right now, the voice of the Lord saying, welcome home. He's running to you. Just run into his arms right now. I, I don't care how far you've fallen. May, maybe you totally wrecked your life, wrecked your marriage. He is God. He's calling you. He's cleansing you. He's washing you so that, you're the, so that the days ahead will be filled with his glory and power. So I just release over you the fiery presence of God to burn once again in your heart. I say fresh passion for Jesus, for his word, a new desire to worship and to praise him. Father, we are not lukewarm. We, we are not cold. We are on fire for you. We live just to love you, Jesus. We want you more than anything in this world, Lord God, and we worship you. So let's just now lift up holy hands to God. You've been washed, made clean. You could lift up. I don't care what you've done with your hand in the past. Maybe you've stolen. Maybe you've committed violence. I, I don't care if somebody's listening right now through the internet in a prison cell. I say the same message to them. Just lift up holy hands in Jesus' name. God, we worship you. Walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall but you have never felt me yet 
for change to come Knowing the battle's won For you have never failed me Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Faithfulness I'm still in your hands This is my confidence You never Your promise still stands Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. Still in your hands, Lord. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never failed me yet. Never failed me yet. Come on, just sing it out. into a broken home. You're not coming to a home that does not have a father in it. You're not coming to a home where it's going to be discord and division. But you're coming to a home that's fulfilled. That's a fulfilling in your life. That's going to bring joy. That's going to bring restoration to areas of your life that seem like they've been gone for so long. So I just want to pray over you as we leave. Amen. Lord God, you say in heaven they rejoice, Lord God, when your people return, Lord God. When unbelievers return to you, Lord God, and accept you, you say it's a great rejoicing in heaven, Lord God. So I pray, Lord God, that you rejoice in heaven for all those who say yes today, Lord God. Everyone that said I'm coming back, Lord God, to restore and, and regenerate, Lord God, what you're doing, Father God, in their lives. 
those areas that seem like they've been cut off, Lord God, I thank you, Lord God, that you're restoring those areas. That you're bringing to life, Lord, what was dead, Lord Jesus. I pray you restore every dream and vision, Lord God, in each one's hearts today, Lord God. If they don't know you, Lord God, I pray you put a vision and a dream in their heart, Lord God. And for those who had it, Lord, and it seemed like it disappeared, I ask that you restore and bring that fire back to life again, Jesus. Lord, you have good plans for everyone here, Lord God, to prosper them, Lord, a hope in the future. So as they say yes to you today, Lord God, I pray they will grab hold of your word, Lord God. Grab hold of your spirit. They will walk in line, Lord God, with your spirit to what you desire for them to do, Lord God, and how you desire for them to live. So, I, Father, I pray that you will have your way with us today. I pray you will bless us, Lord God, in this weekend that we have off. If we have off on Monday, praise God. But I pray, Lord God, that you would just have your way with us this weekend, Lord God. Let us not leave each day or leave this place, Lord God, where the enemy will come to rob, Lord God, what you have spoken, what you have done. But I thank you, Lord God, it was on good ground, Lord God, this word and message was put into, Lord God. So let it grow, Lord God, let it flourish, Lord God. And let it become, Lord God, what you desire us to become, Lord God. Your children and to do mighty things in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord God, traveling mercies. I pray a, a blessing over your people, Lord God. And let us walk home safely, Lord God, into the journey, Lord God, that you have set before us in the name of Jesus. Amen.